You're listening to Crossroads International Church Podcast. Welcome. We hope this podcast will bless you from wherever you're listening to it. For more information, go to our website at xrgs.nl. And now, let's get into the podcast. Did you know, according to the World Population Bureau, from the beginning of man and people that are born, up to this, to this day, there's been about 160 billion people that have been born and lived life, created by God. Now, for now, this is just a number. We'll get back to this at the end of the sermon, so you have to concentrate to the end of the sermon. This is the first part of our series of Advent, and we'll be talking about Emmanuel, God with us. And for me, this has been a very adventurous journey writing this sermon because I do believe that God is going to take us on a journey from the start up to the day that we receive the Holy Spirit. Now, in order for us to do this, we'll have to go right to the beginning, right to the beginning. So, once upon a time, there was a God who dreamed about relationship, about community, about companionship, about conversation. It was the establishment of the first relationship on this planet between man and God. And I want to just point out our attention to one principle that God teaches us in Genesis 1 to 126. It won't be on the screen because this part I held out for a specific reason. It's the first chapter of Genesis, the first chapter of our Bible. Every single person knows this chapter by heart. The creation of world, the creation of man, plants, animals. And every day, when he created something, at the end of the day, what were the words that he was saying? And it was good. Six times he said this at the end of the day. And the principle that we want to use for this sermon and throughout this sermon is the idea of looking back. Turning around, looking back and seeing that it was good. Seeing that he was there. We'll be following this throughout the sermon. Now, let's get back to our story. In Genesis 2, 18 to 20, you'll see this coming up. It was the first time, as we know, that God used the words, and it's not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heaven and brought them to the man. See what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and the birds of the heavens and every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. Now in the past when I read this passage, I would see on the beginning it says, God says, it's not good that man should be alone. And I was always thinking about Eve at this stage. And I read this again, and if you'll see it again, you'll see that God took him through this journey with the animals and naming the animals and seeing and interacting with these animals. And at the end, 
Adam found, but I mean, none of this works for me. I, don't, I, I mean, he was seeing maybe two cows hoof on hoof walking around in the fields or two birds nestling in a nest and he was feeling something happening in his heart. He was seeking something different. And now please remember, let's just put this in perspective. God created Adam out of dust. To this day, I think that's why I loved mud so much. We always want to be in the wilderness. And God created man out of dust in his image. They must have had the best relationship, the interactive relationship. Can you imagine having this face-to-face moment with God? And then seeing this, it's not good for man to be alone. God brought Eve. Now, as we know, Eve came. And we fell into sin. <laughs> well, that's what Adam thinks. <laughs> not me. I have a wife. I've been told it's not um, so. I do, however, see a bit of a red flag in humanity. Do you agree with me that if you have this perfect relationship with God, but you're still seeking more. I want something else. I want the hoof-on-hoof situation. I want, I want to be able to feel something. And it's so sad. I wonder how God felt. And I know God loves us so much that He gave Adam His helper. He gave him this lady. So, in Genesis 2.23, we see that at last... Is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. God did not create her out of dust. He created her out of us, taking some things of us, making this lady for him. And what a beautiful story they go into. And we know that what happened in this during this time, they fell into this very unfortunate situation. And we see this in Genesis 3, verse 8 to 13. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden. This was now after they ate the, the fruit, the forbidden fruit. We all know this. This was just right after it. And the man and his wife hid themselves from God's presence um, of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid. Because I was naked and I hid myself, he said. Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I command you not to eat? And we'll leave the last verse for now. But let's just think about this. God being omnipresent, playing along <laughs> in the garden. Adam, Eve, where are you? Knowing that in the tree right over here. Where are you? Come on, guys, where are you? And they're hiding. They're thinking, they, oh, we're doing it. Shh, we're doing it. Don't worry. He's not seeing us. God playing along, looking for conversation. He's not walking around. You are in such big trouble. You better, you better hide. No tree on this earth. No. Where are you? Where are you? Come out. Let's talk about this. And this is the first words, Adam. My word, Adam. The woman you gave me to be with me, she gave me the fruit and then I ate it. So at first he was blaming God right in his face. The woman you gave me, 
not sufficient. Can we please restart and uh, let's do a different woman this time? And then he blames Eve. She gave it to me. And then I ate it. What can I do? What a terrible moment. And the moment of pride was born. We walked around. We hid from God. God never removed his presence. Let's just look back. Let's look at the principle that God taught us. Looking back. He was good. He was there. For no moment did he leave his presence. We removed ourselves from his presence. Why? Because we felt ashamed. We felt that we were not worthy. God never removes himself from us. In this journey to see how God is with us, we need to realize we are our own biggest and worst enemy. Let's move on to the next part. We know that during this process, a lot happened. We've got Noah in, in the ark. We've got the tabernacle uh, that, that God then asked Moses to build. Moses was this one guy that God appeared to him in different ways, and, and he asked, would you save my people from Egypt? He took this, and in this, in Exodus, we see 26 to 30, well, 26 to 31, he gave Moses a list of details on how to build the tabernacle. To the detail, go read it. You'll fall asleep after the second chapter. It was incredible, the detail of this tabernacle. Now, this tabernacle was created in order for God to be with his people in the desert. Establishing this thing so that, he, that his people know, I will never leave you. I will always be with you. We see this in Exodus 29, 45 to 46. We see, I will dwell among the people of Israel. I will be their God. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of the land of Egypt. That I might dwell among them. I am the Lord. And then God at the end of that God tells Moses in, in Exodus 31, 13, you are to speak to the people of Israel and say, all above, above all you shall keep my Sabbath. For this is a sign between me and you throughout the generations that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. What was the thing that happened with Adam and Eve? They became ashamed. They felt that they were not good enough. God brings the tabernacle. He creates a moment for us to bring our offering, to come and talk to him. Yeah, he put in this extra step in order for us not to run away out of shame, but to bring our offering. Now, the tabernacle had three areas. The first was the courtyard, as we know. This was for all the normal people. You can bring your thing and you can feel the holy presence and where God was dwelling. He was there. You had the holy, uh, holy place, which was inside the tent, and then you had holies of holies. Now this part apparently was so thick, the curtains, and this only happened once a year, and I'll tell you the reason now, you'd probably know, but this was so thick and it was so soundproof on the inside that nobody was allowed to know what was happening in there. But once a year, the holy priest, the high priest came 
And he had to be clean on that day, sinless, which in itself does not make sense because no person on this earth, we are born from sin. So he had this pressure of going once a year as clean as possible. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure, you know, if he had children or a wife, they were asked not to be around because we cannot fight before I go meet God later today. Uh, we cannot, listen, I mean, children, please just behave. He had this weight he had to carry because what happens once a year, he had to go ask for forgiveness for his people. And somewhere around this, I see a flaw. It's almost impossible for us as humans. Well, it is impossible. We cannot. It's not possible. So they moved through the desert with this tabernacle. God always being there. We look back once again. Always being there. They got to the promised land, which we know is Israel, and they built the temple, and God moved into the temple tabernacle, sort of fade away. Now, as we go through the Old Testament, we see so many stories about the, the Tower of Babel, and what was it about? It was about us humans building stuff, once again, building this tower to show we are good, we are strong. I don't know. Why? Moses was a, was a way to go and, and find the Ten Commandments from God. And during that time, the people got scared. <laughs> what did they do? They could not even wait a little bit. They built themselves a golden calf. They could not wait. They were so afraid. Where's God's presence? What's going on? God never left them. Bring us to today. Almost. Brings us to Jesus. You'll see on the screen a few verses came up about the prophecies about Jesus and that Jesus would come. Isaiah 7 14, 11, 11 1, 9, verse 1 to 6, and so on and so forth. You'll see all of them there. And this all happened between 700 and 740 years before Jesus would be born. This prophecy was laid down. 700 years, thank goodness I wasn't in that part because then I would have missed the whole Shabil, you know, and having to be able to experience this moment that we can know that the Holy Spirit is in our hearts. 700 years, then Jesus came and he was born. By now, we know that humans were really struggling and we were not getting by. We had the Pharisees, and we'll talk about the Pharisees now, but the moment Jesus was born, he fulfilled and he started his ministry. He fulfilled his true purpose, Emmanuel, God with us. God created this entire background of everything that happened in the Old Testament, creating this foundation. We'll see this later in a verse. And Jesus came. What was the first thing that he started doing in his ministry? He started approaching his disciples, normal people. He started being around broken people, living amongst them, freeing them from their burdens, their hurt, their sorrows, being between them. Humanity was so broken. There was no help. The temple was not a safe place anymore because you had to be so brilliant. You had to be so perfect. 
We know that the Pharisees played a very big role into this. But I first want to show you this verse in Matthew 22, 37 to 39. You shall love Lord your you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor, neighbor as yourself. Jesus narrowed it down for us. Why? This is what's needed for us. At this point, the Pharisees created 600 plus rules, commandments, in order for you to be perfect. You needed to have 600 commandments that you needed to follow. In, it's impossible. I know for certain my children can follow one rule. Sometimes. 600 commandments. We failed. Jesus wrote this. Well, not wrote. He gave them this passage, and we, we know this. Matthew 23, 1 to 36. It's the seven woes to the Pharisees. And he was calling them things like hypocrites, blind guides. And at the end, the biggest part, he called them serpents. Let's look back. Adam and Eve, the serpent. He knew that the Pharisees and their way of doing was taking us away from God's presence. Showing us one thing, and that is, you are not good enough. And Jesus said, no way. No way. Hypocrites. Love Jesus. And we need to know, in those times, the, the Pharisees, they were important. They were really, to, to say things like that in those times sparked the whole thing about Jesus being, you know, planning. They were planning. We, we're going to get you. He was saying some serious stuff. Now let's go to the end with Jesus at the Garden of Gethsemane. Very important part, and we know that this evening was a very pivotal moment because Jesus chose to be in the Garden of Gethsemane, and this is outside of the town of Jerusalem, outside of the walls. As you walk through the, the, the big gates into Jerusalem, you'll have the temple where God was dwelling and where he was, his father was dwelling. He chose to be on that evening outside in the Garden of Gethsemane between broken people, between the, the poor people. These were the places. And to this day, to this day, 12 years ago, I was there in this garden with these olive trees. These trees have seen Jesus. And he starts praying. He first goes to his disciples. And we know this. It will come up on the screen. Matthew 26, 36 to 46. Sit here while I go over and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to, the, said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. 
in this moment with this extreme anguish, this sorrowful, he was bleeding blood, he was sweating blood. We know that this was the extreme stress he was feeling. He goes to the disciples, please guys, if you can just stay awake, I mean, no problem, we know that they're coming to get me. I am really stressed, I'm going to pray, I'm getting to my father. He walks over, he prays, the biggest prayer of our existence against ourselves. The one thing that we could not do. Not my will. He was really afraid. He was contemplating, should I continue? I'm so afraid. He prayed this once. Going back, he saw the disciples sleeping. <laughs> oh man, we're humans, we're so weak. In that time, I mean, they could see Jesus. He was panicking. Jesus was panicking. He was afraid. They slept. All right. Okay, guys. No, don't worry. Listen. Wake up, please. Can you just wake up? And again, he asked him, please stay awake. And again, for the second time, Jesus go, my father, if it be, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, as I... Not as I will, but as your will. Go back to the disciples. What are they doing? Sleeping. Second time. And for the second time, we choose our flesh. We choose ourselves. And Jesus going back a third time, praying again. Father, not my will, but yours. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for choosing us and breaking the cycle of our own pride breaking the cycle of choosing for ourselves. Jesus died on the cross. His blood flew. His body broke. And he did the one perfect thing that the high priest in the tabernacle could never do. He was sinless on the cross giving himself to us. And then the Holy Spirit, as we see in Acts 2, verse 1 to 4, the Holy Spirit came down to us in order for us to never be alone again, to never experience what Jesus did. We see this. I want to end with this. You'll see a slide coming up about relationship, to live relationship and to be free. I'll be ending with this. Our core as human beings, according to psychology, is to have relationship and for us to have a meaningful life and to be free as we are born, we need a healthy relationship. The only person that's able to give us a healthy relationship in this earth is Jesus. Every human will fail you, but Jesus will always be present. He will always be there. If we look back today, just for a second, think back on your life. High points, low points, those times that you ask the question, where are you when I'm hurting like this? Where are you? Look back on your life and see that God was always there, always looking for relationship. And if we look at, at the 100, uh, it was 107 billion people to this day, I was looking for a picture to, to sort of show on the screen. How is it possible? How, how much is 106 billion people? 
And the only pictures coming up is, is a reference to money and stacking of notes. So I'll, I'll give you this picture. If you take $1 bills and stack them like this, one after the other, like this, 106 billion, it will go around the globe one and a half time. This is how much God loves people, how much He loves relationship to an extent of creating 106 billion unique people. Think about your life now. Think about what are the things that you turn your back and when are you ashamed, feeling not worthy? Because that needs to end. Amen. Thank you for listening and we hope that you have a wonderful week. See you next time.